Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Well, there's a lot to be excited about. Yes, and a lot to not be excited about. <laughs> I, try, I, tried to, <laughs> I tried to head you off at the pass. Uh, uh, I was like, it took me a second too. I'm like, <laughs> do I just go with optimistic ward or do I bring in the hammer? Yeah. And I just, that thing in me that you have recognized so often, it just had to come out. It had like an, like an aliens. It just had to come out of me. I've seen the text messages. I know what's coming my way. But let's start with let's start with what is to be excited about because that is the most important thing right now. It seems like you want facts from me. Give me some facts. Indiana University men's football Hoosiers are four and zero since Tom Allen came on this show. Dun 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 dun. Fact. Would you say he's undefeated? I know he is. Would you say that the men's and women's basketball teams are also undefeated since their head coaches came on this show? No blemishes on anybody's record. Here's another fact. This is the first top 10 matchup for Indiana football of all time. Is that right? Yes. First time that we have played a top 10 team when we were ranked in the top 10. It's not just the biggest game of the season. You know, is it, would you say this is the biggest game in the history of the program? Because clearly there were other games that had more instant ramifications, like the Michigan State game in 87. Had we won that game, we were going to the Rose Bowl. Right. We have relative bias, right? Uh, what do they call that? Recency right. bias. Recency Relatively bias. recent bias. <laughs> <laughs> it's another RR. It's another reasonable rabbit. That's right. It's relative recency bias. Yep. But you got to figure both, you know, 67, 69, what was going on? Apparently not a top 10 matchup, but I even think back to like 45. But 
there is so much other stuff about this game. It's Ohio State. They are the evil empire in Big Ten football. It really is. I mean, look, 10 years ago, you could say it was Ohio State and Michigan, and pre-Sandusky, it was Penn State up there too. But they are so clearly head and shoulders above everyone in the conference, and only, only in the last decade, since Urban Meyer got there, only Alabama and now Clemson are in the category that they're in. Those are the only three schools. You know, you could say it's like the Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Kansas contingent of college football right now. None of those have been in that contingent as long as the basketball comps, but they're clearly the class of college football and have been since before Tom Allen showed up at IU. There's also our history with them, which is they smoke us. You know, I mean, clearly. And look, you could say that about a lot of teams before this year, before Tom Allen. But everything that is leading into this game, the rebuild, the how far down we were, how far we've come, the year of 2020 just being an mm. absolute shit sandwich. And, and them, the football program, giving us these rays of hope every Saturday, it, it is more meaningful than just a top 10 matchup. And I say just a top 10 matchup like it happens often. It never happens for us, literally. But it just feels like there's so much weight on this. And then you come out with the line and we're 21 point underdogs. Oh, no, no. It's down to 20 and a half now, I saw. Oh, good. It's moving. The money is moving. Did you see Tom Allen's press conference today? Wait, yeah, but before you get get to yeah. that, you said something about what Ohio State normally does to us. And it has yeah. been a yearly reminder since you and I were in school of how far away we are from being a great football team. Sure. And there were some close first halves, but it was never close by the end of the game. Leading into your segue of Tom Allen's press conference, it's really hard to believe that that team isn't going to be ready to play. I, I agree with you there. I do want to go back. I have a distinct memory. I mean, again, you know how your mind does things to your memory, right? So this may not be the actual way it happened, but it is my truth. So I'm, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but when we were in school, we almost beat number one undefeated Ohio State. Does Chris Ditto? Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Was he a quarterback when we were there? Ditto definitely sounds familiar. Okay, because this was not Antoine Randall, because this is what happened. Ward, we were winning going into the fourth quarter. Oh, I, I don't remember that. In fact, I think that our game ended up costing Ohio State something because we played them so close that they lost votes in the poll, because this was way before BCS and all that. That's, that's a win for us. It, it is a win, but... I'm going to cut to the end and then go back. The way the game ended was Ohio State tore down the goalposts at our field. <laughs> okay? That's what happened. They should have a little more pride than that. They should. And I was on the field, like, trying to prevent it from happening. And guess what? <laughs> Failed miserably. But, but here was a turning point. We were winning going into the fourth quarter. Again, this is my memory. We were winning going into the fourth quarter. We dropped back for a pass. And Chris Ditto had the ball in his hands to ostensibly throw the football because that's what quarterbacks are supposed to do. 
what ended up happening was an Ohio State player greeted him, invaded his personal space, and Chris Ditto gave him the football. <laughs> and the Ohio State player took the football as a gift, as you would. Yeah. And that ended the that basically ended any chance we had to win it. I have never seen anything like it. It was not a fumble. I mean, I guess they could call it a fumble, but sounds, he he just took it from him. It sounds kind of like a handoff. It, it was like a handoff. It was it was like I shouldn't have this football. You guys should have the football. You're Ohio State, and then Ohio State won the game and tore down the goalposts at Memorial Stadium. It was awful. That's the only time in my lifetime I remember it even being close. And I remember the feeling of that was they're going to win, meaning Ohio State. The feeling going into this game is scary because you're like, there's hope. Like, can we can we beat them? Can we compete? And you watch that press conference today with our leader, and you're just like, that's my guy. That is my guy. Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. Well, and and I mean, just the part about his son, right? Oh, heartbreaking. If there was anybody out there who hadn't spent really time figuring out who Tom Allen is, if they think it's a bit of an actor over the top, it's like, watch that and, and you understand why that whole team loves him and they love each other. Totally. I also love, I mean, he had some just killer quotes. I mean, one of my favorites was somebody brought up the 21 point spread and said to him, you know, do you, are you going to use that for motivation? And he was just stone faced looking directly into his zoom camera. And he just said, we do believe in the earmuffs talking about keeping out the noise. Yeah. The blinders. Right. But I also live in reality. It will be addressed. (laughs) I mean, it will be addressed is like the Terminator. Yeah. It's so good. That was that was a favorite. And then the other one was, we're not playing against 50 years of Ohio State dominance. We're playing against the 11 guys that play for Ohio State on the oh, field right now. That helped me. That helped me think about the game in a, in a much more real sense rather than here we are already talking about these past Ohio State games. But no, no. These guys got to show up themselves and do it. And and his demeanor was so determined. You, you know, you said Terminator, Determinator. Yes. Like, holy <laughs> shit, that guy was someplace else thinking about beating Ohio State. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I hate to even voice this, but we all know this is true, even though we don't want to admit it. There's a part of every Indiana fan right now, of course we want to beat Ohio State. But there's a part of us that also is saying, just compete, right? Just For make sure. it a game. For sure. you, but what I love is that thought is not in his head. Mm. He is not thinking about moral victories. He wasn't thinking about them last year when we came close a couple of times. He was pissed off by them. He doesn't believe in moral victories. He said it before this year started. He said, it's unacceptable to be close. Like, we have a leader who everyone in the fan base can rest assured that he is thinking about it the right way. He's thinking about the program the right way and how he's communicating to these kids. He's doing the right way. He's certainly doing it better than the fans because I, in my head, I'm like, I just, I want to be able to watch the game into the second half. (laughs) Yeah. But you can't, you can't do this four and O that they've done without believing 
to your your core, and I'm talking about Coach Tom Allen, that you can win this next game. You can't do what you just did over four games thinking we're just going to get to be a, a, a top 10 team right there in that second tier where we won't be able to play with Ohio State and Alabama, but we'll get all the way right up to there. That's not how that kind of mind works. All the fans, again, we're playing with house money now. It's all icing on the cake, but I'm getting greedy. You know, I'll, I will definitely be disappointed if we don't win, uh, but you're right. I've already thought about the moral victory of keeping it close and showing we belong. Right, because look, this game is going to be probably the most watched Indiana football game. Uh, I mean, maybe ever. I mean, it's a nationally televised game. We're in the top 10. It's on Fox. It, it may be, there may be more eyeballs on this game for Indiana football, which means it's a recruiting tool. It's a way, it's the national press writing about us. This is a chance to change the narrative that has been told about Indiana for the better part of 30 years. And, and really, if, if it wasn't for just that, you know, brief time with Coach Mallory, it's the narrative that's been told for 50 years. So it's, it's just absolutely monumental and exciting as hell. And I do want to say one thing about what you were saying about his mindset. I was thinking about this. You watch him and you're right. He, it's not in his mind at all, the moral victory. That's not how he works. And so you have to like, I tried to like break it down. I don't have that in me. Like I, I don't have that mechanism that he has or that filter to just be that laser focused on the positive in the face of scrutiny and, 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 a, and a crushing narrative. But I was thinking like, look at the things he does care about in his life. He cares about his family. He cares about his faith and he cares about football, the three F's. And he approaches all of them, it seems, with this same mindset. And to be as devout as he is, which he clearly is. And look, we don't need to get into a religious conversation here, but fans of Indiana run the gamut that being, from being totally atheist to, and probably anti-religion to really devout you know, followers of a faith. He is clearly a devout follower of a faith. He has extreme faith. And Amen. that same faith that he has in his religion he has for his family and obviously he has for his football team. And that's not a coincidence. You know what I mean? He's built that way. Yeah. It's consistent through his whole life and it is awesome to watch. It, it really is. It is powerful. It is. It is. It, it, you want it. Like you can understand. I can understand that some kids won't want that. Some kids won't like that and will not come to Indiana because of it. But you can see how a kid searching for like a light post saying, just follow me and I'll lead you to the promised land would gravitate towards him. How about this? How about this? Two assholes do a Indiana University only basketball podcast. <laughs> but this man comes along and he's so powerful and so persuasive we we want to talk to that man and once we talk to that man we want to help that man however we can like we're signed up to the cause because of that power he has because of that faith we're like yes sir we're we're following you let's go lead us i'm not smart enough to know what he does on the football field we talked about it with ravi i have no idea about schemes 
you know more about that stuff, Ward, than I do. I don't, I, I'm literally just watching, can we throw the ball and catch it? And can we run into a hole? I'm much closer to your level of knowledge than I am of Tom Allen's. I will tell okay, you Okay, that. well, that, that's fair. <laughs> but you, you are several steps above me when it comes to football knowledge. But what I do think I'm decent at is I think I have in life a pretty good bullshit meter. Tom Crean didn't pass that bullshit meter once I got to know him a little bit and watch enough of him. Right. I wasn't sure about Tom Allen because I'm always leery of anyone that is that singularly focused. It just seems like, how can it be possible? But we spent an hour and a half, two hours with him and the bullshit meter never even got off zero. It is, it is so authentic to who he is as a human and it is powerful and it is magnetic and it has, it has changed the course of a half century narrative in short time in the grand scheme of things. It's fun that we're the feel good story of the college season so far. Like we're kind of everybody's darling and he's getting introduced to a national audience as you know, cause there's these football coaches, you know, Saban, um, what's the guy down in LSU who can barely talk because Ed he's both, Ogeron. Yeah, he's great. There's so many great personalities in there and, and coach Allen, firmly has his own place in strong personalities that really stick with you. Even if you don't follow the program that closely, I'm familiar with those coaches because they get interviewed and you're like, who is this guy? Well, you know what? That is a great point that I never thought of. Remember a couple of years ago in basketball, Musselman at Nevada. Yeah. Took his shirt off or whatever in the locker room and celebrated. And that got him like national notoriety. By the way, the guy then takes the job at Arkansas and he's killing it in recruiting. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on Musselman for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, but but that mattered. Like that got him attention. And he's done some things online too. He did something during COVID where he did like a full practice. Did you see that? No. And it was just him in the empty gym screaming at people to scream <laughs> and stuff. And he put it out. But clearly that's him, this over-the-top gregarious character. Tom Allen was so taken by that interception against Michigan, right? That he went and jacked up his cheekbone in the celebration. And that was everywhere. That clip played on ESPN Sports Center. It got him interviewed by every talk show that he could be on, a uh, sports radio, sports TV. That stuff matters for recruiting. It does. And you want to talk about no bullshit. I later saw a laundry list of the injuries he's received for similar celebrations with football players who have helmets on. He lost his two front teeth one time. He did. did, did you see? <laughs> I mean, that is. He's a lunatic. He will hurt himself repeatedly because he's so excited. Although I did love when they asked him about it in the week after about the injury. He didn't like say, yeah, you know, I just, I, we got overzealous. And no, he was like, listen, this has happened to me before. And so when I went and jumped on him, I turned my head to the right <laughs> to avoid getting my teeth knocked out. Like he, he, and he said, and he was like being totally earnest. He wasn't being funny. He was like, you can watch it. You see my head turn and you do. Yeah, You do Absolutely. see his head turn. So I love, I just love his earnestness because he is, he is just totally earnest and authentic and the passion is infectious. It can only be explained by genetics and one other thing. That he's powered by? He... 
be the Buckeye. Go ahead and say something. I saw you were going to. This is not a test. There is nothing wrong with your podcast. But there is something really wrong with me. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that's the happy portion of the intro. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Mason Miller is not coming to Indiana. Hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, you seem very certain, which has made me very certain. He's not coming to Indiana. Look, I am a firm believer in something known as Occam's Razor. Are you familiar with Occam's Razor? Yeah, I always forget. Somebody has to explain it to me like every two years. It's a, it's a thought of logic that states all things being equal, the simplest answer is the correct one. I want to take a step back. Trey Kaufman laid out sorry, Trader Kaufman, laid out several things that were important to him in recruiting. Proximity to home, relationship with the coaching staff, being a featured player and playing time right away. Family can see him play. So again, that goes to the proximity. Relationship with the current players. Uh, And then of course, development to get to the NBA. Indiana checked the box on every single one of them, more than any other school that was recruiting him more and yet and we recruited him as long as anyone Purdue and us recruited him as long as you could possibly recruit a kid I mean can you objectively say he felt more comfortable with the Indiana players than he did at other schools all I can say all I can go off of is saying that he knew the Indiana players better because so many came from the Indiana elite program which he played for but we can't necessarily say what kind of connection he had with those guys the other guys on the team but we can go off of what he said And what he said was he loved the Indiana players and had a great relationship. He said that publicly and he said it behind the scenes and was reported on by Rabbi and many others. We recruited him for three years. He had every opportunity to commit. While all the top people were committing, he didn't. And all we kept hearing was, well, if Virginia comes calling, he kind of wants to listen to that. If North Carolina comes calling, he may want to listen to that. COVID hits he sets up a visit to go look at Virginia, North Carolina on its own. My point is the simplest answer was always the right one. All the boxes were checked for Indiana, but he didn't want to commit. And it's not because he was some analytical dude who was really pouring (laughs) over. It wasn't any of that. It was, he didn't want to come to Indiana. It comes down to this phrase. He's just not that into you. Boom. You're exactly right. Mason Miller, we were told his father has a closer relationship with Tom Ostrom than anybody else that was recruiting him, including the Creighton coach. He knew the Creighton coach and had a relationship, but closer to Tom. Trey Kaufman and him play similar positions. Even though we didn't technically offer Mason Miller, he could have committed at any moment. He could have taken the spot from Trey Kaufman. Right. If you're worried about playing the same position at any level, just take the spot. Trey Kaufman wouldn't have come to Indiana if Mason Miller called up Tom Ostrom and said, I want to come to Indiana. But he did. He also never visited. He didn't visit before COVID. And then COVID hit. And guess what? He made his way to Creighton. He did not make his way to Indiana. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people want to blame IU compliance for this. It's bullshit. IU compliance had absolutely nothing to do with Mason Miller's recruitment, period. 
And whether we officially don't get him on Wednesday when he announces it or a miracle happens, compliance had nothing to do with it. Nothing. The simplest answer is the right one. And here is all I'll say. He apparently has a great relationship with the head coach of Creighton. I think that's that's very, very important in today's game, not only because this generation of players wants that personal connection with the coach, but the coach is also the one who's going to be really determining who's on the court and how they're being used, Boom. you know, and, and any assistant coach can sell you this, that, and the other, but you got to believe that's what the head coach is feeling and going to do. Otherwise, how can you entirely know what you're getting into? Yes. And on paper, again, if you want to get to the NBA, if you want to be featured, and I know Creighton has been a better basketball team than us over the last probably decade, like, yeah. you know, at least five years. Um, I know that they have a really great style of play for a guy who likes to be on the wing, but Indiana has a lot more uh, experience with developing. Um, more people have come out of Indiana to go to the NBA, including people like Jawan Morgan most recently. We have great strength, you know, and conditioning coach, a guy that worked with professional athletes, um, Archie's been around high, high ranking players, whether it was at, you know, NC state or Arizona or Ohio state, he's just not that into you. I'm glad you said that. That's what it is. And it sucks. And missing out on Trey Kaufman, missing out on Mason Miller, it's bad. That's bad. I'm not saying it's the death knell, but it is bad. The Christian, and I want to go back to this, the 2021 class was supposed to be the watershed moment for Indiana University. Three years behind us, the foundation built, loaded Indiana class, and we are striking out on all the Indiana kids. Trey Kaufman, Caleb first, Blake Wesley, we're not recruiting, uh, you know, I guess he's going to well, go somewhere it, else. it kind of got turned into a bit of a mess because we did get Christian, the best of the bunch, the year before. Okay, and then, but I want to hit then, that. And then Blake poops out, and then uh, Caleb's up there, and we think we're going to get Trey, and we don't. And that really swings. Trey, Trey going that way really flips the whole narrative of what it could have been because Wesley seemed like no longer you, anybody wanted him. So then you really just have three you're looking after, and you got one. You kind of get – you didn't try for the other, and then you lost the deciding recruit. Ward, my point is the Wesley thing shouldn't be ignored. He may be a head case. We're not in the position to pass on kids that we could get because they may be a headache. Mm -hmm. That's what the money's for. That's why Archie makes three and a half million dollars. I was if like, wait, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're Matt Painter and you were in the Elite Eight a couple years ago and you've won Big Ten championships, fine, pass on the kid. You've earned it. You've earned the capital. This staff hasn't. So you better know you've got great backups. They passed on Luke Goody. They passed on Brooks Barnheiser. They passed on Blake Wesley. And here's what I want to say about the Christian Lander thing. And I honestly wish I could just put it to bed. You cannot have it both ways. Anybody who's making the argument about, well, we got Lander and he's really 21. Okay. If you're going to say that, then the 2020 class of Indiana is an unmitigated failure. Okay. You can't put them in both classes. I, I do agree. This is not good. I absolutely agree. There is no great plan B. And think about this. Trey, I know he's not really a traditional three. He's more of a stretch four, but he wants to play with his back to the basket and also facing the basket and get out on the wing a little bit. And that's what Purdue sold him. Uh, 
Mason Miller is definitely a three who wants to play with his, you know, facing the basket on the wing. He's a shooter. We have one of those players. We have Jerome Hunter. We have no backup for Jerome Hunter in that position. We have no backup for him on, in the class of 2020, uh, in the, in the, on the team right now. We don't know what Jordan Geronimo is going to be. He's a project. Jerome Hunter, we saw some flashes at the end of last season, but we don't even know if he's that really that we can count on. Right. And in the game that, that puts a premium on wing players, we don't have that stud on the team. It may turn out to be Jerome, but we have no backup for him going forward. He missed on everybody here. And now the only guy that we're in on in any real way is Aminu Muhammad, a five-star from Missouri. Uh, We haven't done well with out-of-state five-stars. This one seems messy too. This guy's been recruited for a couple of years and all of a sudden he's listening to Alabama who just comes in. Again, simplest answer, SMU he's listening to? That's all shady and he's clearly not that into us. You would think that. So let's see how that one plays out. But all the priorities for the 21 class have gone away. And now you hear the narrative, and this is the narrative I hope just dies. This narrative about, well, the spring, you know, it's free agency in college basketball. So if you ever were going to miss on a player, this is the year. Well, it's not going to die until we see what happens. People are going to talk about that all year. Yes, but it is ridiculous for people to excuse away what's happening right now because of that. I don't, if they're excusing it, they're wrong. If they're trying to make themselves feel better, I get that. Oh, maybe, but dude. (laughs) Not not making you feel better. (laughs) No, because it just is like kicking the can down the road. At some point, you have to be accountable. The product on the court hasn't been good enough. We hope it will be this year. But the recruiting class for 2021 is a disaster right now, except for one shining bright spot. You were so excited when it seemed like we might get this guy. You were demanding we get him. We got him. And then you immediately fixated elsewhere on the next target. It's time to get excited about this guy because we are going to lose – a real important big man after this season. We all know it's happening. And this guy's going to be a big body to get in there right away. I totally agree. It's always fun talking to the future. And we don't get to do it that often, obviously. So it's really cool to be able to do. And, and then, you know, when we're doing this podcast in 25 years, Ward, and we get to get those guys that we had on before they started their Indiana careers and have <laughs> them back on talking about the national championships that they won, that'll be even yes. more fun. But uh, before we get to him, quick update on the Board of Trustees campaign. What's going on, Eric? We have submitted signatures. We have submitted officially the signatures that everybody who went on the website and signed up, they have been officially uh, submitted through the process. They are in the process of being verified. And this week, we will find out if we have met the threshold of 200 verifiable signatures. I'm very confident we will get that news this week. And then... We are on the board. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're not on the board. Then we are on the road. I was like, that was easy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then we were on the road to the election for the board of trustees. And I will tell you this, for those of you who don't think I'm taking this seriously, this week I watched online the last two board of trustees meetings. I watched all of them. They're like three and a half hours long. Wow. Give us, I watched them. Give us a real brief summary. I can do that. Here is my summary of the last one. 
<laughs> I mean, they need some life brought into these things. I mean, we got to jazz these up. They should go ahead and um, bring in the guy who was in charge of WWE live shows. <laughs> they need somebody need to be hit with a chair in that board meeting. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you, though, there was one point of controversy. Ooh, do tell. So in the last board meeting, they it's very parliamentary. So there's a lot of motions that come up and then somebody has to make a motion. Somebody has to second it. They take a vote. I, you know. So what came up last time was accepting this big study that McRobbie commissioned and that several people on various campuses took part in on renaming some buildings and landmarks. Oh, boy. Specifically, Jordan Hall and the Jordan River. Yeah. So I don't know if you've been following that. I do know that Mr. Jordan uh, has a checkered past. Yes. And look, I don't want to get into it because no. it's, it's, you know, but Indiana decided almost unanimous, almost unanimously to change the name. Yeah. That's the right move. One guy said, no, <laughs> Are you going to out him? It's public. Not that that many people listen to this, but definitely more people than watch those trustee meetings. It was Pat shoulders. No way. Yes. Pat is very consistent in his thinking that these buildings were named for people who did good things and they have checkered pasts. He believes strongly that when those, when those buildings were named after him, all of the facts that are now being bandied about were available at the time. And we still named the buildings after him. And he is very worried about the slippery slope that every building at Indiana will eventually be renamed after it was named after a person because anybody from a certain era in, you know, uh, in American history will have something in his past that is an anachronism. And he used Ballantyne as an example. Mm -hmm. Ballantyne Hall, which is the most well-known class building, in, classroom building in, in Indiana University and sits at the heart of the campus. It's the Crest building, right? What do you, you know about the that? At the top? Yeah, the top, you look yeah. down, a crest, I think, maybe it was Colgate's. Somebody will tell us. Okay. Um, but he apparently fought tooth and nail to keep out the first woman to ever be a student at Indiana University. So Pat's point is, we can do that right now if we want to on people that have slights against African-Americans. But then we've got to revisit women and LGBTQ and on and on and on. And ultimately, we will lose all of the heritage and tradition. I'm not taking a position on this because I'm not on the board yet and I don't have to take a position <laughs> on it. But Pat stood up and said, I I'm going to be consistent in my position. I don't think we should do it. So then it passes eight to one, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then this is why Pat is entertaining as hell. They have named the river Campus River. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So Pat, after, really? he, after he loses that vote, he does say, oh, by the way, Mr. Chairman, I do want to say that I'm not going to relitigate all that other stuff from the past, but we have got to be able to do better than Campus River, for Christ's sake. So. <laughs> 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 oh. Like, I give Pat credit for sticking to his guns. Um, I know it's a touchy subject. Um, 
I love Pat, and I'm glad to hear he's adding some life to it because he was such a great time on the podcast that uh, it's too bad you and him can't be in there together because that would really get the party started. I know. So look, the big news is we're going to find out very soon if we're officially on the ballot. Then we're going to have to find out who else is on the ballot. And that's when the negative campaigning begins. Yeah, yeah. In and I, full earnestness. Well, and I think we should try to get their their home addresses, their home phone numbers, and just kind of blast it out there and, and just get them harassed. I'm going to share a story <laughs> from my work past that shows you the, the level that I will stoop to. Oh, boy. When I was doing the Arsenio Hall show, mm-hmm. do you think I should do this? It depends, it depends on how good the story is. I don't think I know it. Okay. Cut that out. When I was doing the Arsenio Hall show, we had just, I had just taken over the show and we were just clawing tooth and nail, like just to try to survive. And late night was exploding. It was, you know, Leno had left, Fallon came in, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going on in late night. Uh, Colbert was taking over for Letterman. Late night was the center of the entertainment universe. Uh, James Corden had just come in on CBS and replaced Ferguson. So there was all this stuff happening. And we were this little syndicated show, not on a network, just trying to get some attention. And we shot an episode of the show and I came back to my office and I'm watching the NBC Nightly News. And on the NBC Nightly News, it was the night that Fallon was debuting. It was a Monday night. Okay. So on the Nightly News, Brian Williams who loves to exaggerate things. He does. Brian Williams did a story on the face of late night and how late night was changing. And they were talking about Jimmy Fallon. And they showed on their screen, almost like a a Brady Bunch nine square thing Mm -hmm. where they showed all the faces of the people in late night because there were like nine of them. They didn't show Arsenio. Oh, it was just nine white faces. And by the way, at that time, we were relevant. We were doing higher ratings in some of those shows. And Arsenio's first show had been groundbreaking and a huge thing. So he was already established. Totally. A, a, a badass of, of late night before. Yeah, there's no doubt we should have been included. And we weren't. And it pissed me off. Sure. So I walked into the writer's room where all the writers were writing the monologue, working on the monologue for the next day. And I go, throw it away. The monologue tomorrow is going to be, we're going to show that clip of Brian Williams and we're going to call his ass out for not showing the one black guy in late night. Like he's, they're just totally ignoring us and we're going to call him out and we're going to give the number for the NBC switchboard (laughs) and we're going to put it on the screen and tell everyone to call and complain. Arsenio went out, did the monologue I get a phone call. We crashed the NBA, NBC switchboard. Yes. And the next night, Brian Williams apologized on air. That I was going to ask if there was pushback from your, uh, uh, I guess, what would you call them when you're syndicated? Executives. They're still executives. Yeah. And, and did they, did you run that past them beforehand? I am a firm believer in asking for forgiveness <laughs> and not permission. Yeah. So, well, no. And, and, and clearly it worked in your favor before you could be reprimanded if they were a little gun shy on such a maneuver. But that's, that's great, man. Power the, to the people. There's another little piece of the story that I left out that I'm going to share. I was going to leave it out, but I have to share it because I haven't told, I don't think I've told you this story. So when we were talking about how to execute this part of it, how do we get, how do we, 
you know, go after Brian Williams, but I didn't want Arsenio to look bad like he was a petulant child, you know? Right. And Arsenio, to his credit, said, I can't be the angry black guy. Like, mm-hmm. that can't be me. And I'm like, all right, well, who can it be? And so we sat in a room with our writers and everybody, like two writers, three writers were like, well, it's got to be Suge Knight. <laughs> so we call Suge Knight and he agrees to do it. And all he was supposed to do was walk out when Arsenio shows the Brian Williams clip and Suge was just going to come to the microphone and say, hey, Brian, you forgot about my boy. Don't do that again, you know, or something like that. And then leave. Suge comes like two hours late, walks to, we only get one shot at it. We have to edit the show and turn it around really quickly because it's, it's going out that night. Suge comes on, grabs the mic and says, yo, Brian, you forgot about my boy here. I'm going to end you. (laughs) Suge Knight went on national television and threatened to kill Brian Williams. And that is ultimately what got the apology, I think, from Brian Williams. <laughs> well, and I I feel for Brian Williams in that situation, fearing for his own safety, because Suge has a, a well-known association with murder uh, and, and various criminal he's serving time right now. Yeah, yeah. No, he he's definitely had people taken off the face of the planet. And I was in a 7-Eleven parking lot with my wife and our small mutt. And this is over on Melrose in like kind of West Hollywood, Fairfax Melrose. And right across the street from the 7-Eleven is like high, high, high end auto body shop. Okay. Like Rolls, Maseratis, like Lamborghinis, all the nice Corollas, Corollas, lots of Corollas, you know, later models. Sure. So we're, we're coming out of the 7-Eleven, which is on one of these narrow West Hollywood side streets. And there's like a really nice car to the right parked on the street because this this body shop is small. So the cars kind of spill out onto the neighboring parking spots. And there's like two other really nice, pretty big SUVs on the other side of the street. And we are in a leased PT Cruiser. Now, as cool as that car is, as cool as a PT Cruiser is, horrible turn radius, tragic (laughs) turn radius so as i'm coming out of the 7-eleven in the pt cruiser going right i'm already sensing it's going to be a little bit of a tight squeeze and then between the two suvs um, emerges a man who's actually like seems bigger than the suvs right yeah and i see that it's suge knight oh boy and it's it's dark now and my headlights are up so my headlights are just illuminating suge knight staring right at me to see if I'm going to ding what I have to presume is one or two of his cars. Yeah. And, and Annie knows what's going on too. I probably came within six inches. And then as we kind of pull, pull past him, cause I executed it well. Um, then you could see, because you're basically sitting next to show. Yeah. Knight, you see how big he is. And you just kind of look up and he's looking down at you. Any acknowledgement from him? I mean, he stared at me like I thought I was in the clear at that point, but there wasn't a head nod or anything like good job. I didn't have to kill you. Right. But I would like I was shaking when we got home a couple blocks later. I was terrified because we had been uh, living a couple blocks away when we saw the helicopters going over to arrest him. By the way, 
Suge could have taken some tips from you on how to avoid hitting someone. (laughs) That's why he's serving time. Was he driving when he ran over and killed the guy? He found a human who was on the set of uh, Straight Outta Compton, the movie about NWA. Right, right. And confronted them and then ran over a guy and killed him. And he's in prison for it. Well, that was not what we saw him go down for. I think he had had somebody killed. Well, he's had a checkered legal past. Yeah, like in the early 2000s, that's what was on my mind. Yeah, it, look, it's not been a great, easy uh, life for Suge Knight. So anyway, bringing it back to the board of trustees, <laughs> if we need Suge Knight to record something from prison for us, that's what I'll do for Indiana University alumni. There is no there is no level I will not stoop to to fight for what is right for Indiana University alumni. It would be so cool to have that telephone sort of recording where you, you know, Tiger King or something, you hear somebody's calling in from prison. Yeah. To have that going out during the campaign. Yeah, I feel like that would that would do well for us. <laughs> All right, look, we've got a long way uh, a ring around the rosy here. Um, but yes, that's the update on the campaign, all looking great. So look, we wanted to do a little bit more of a substantial intro here because our guest today has school the next day and he couldn't be on with us for hours and hours like we normally want to be on with people, but he was really gracious enough to give us time on a Sunday night. We recorded this on Sunday night. It was a school night. Yes. School night and happy to share it with you guys and excited to see this young man in the cream and crimson in the very near future. A lot of times we're talking about the past with players from the past, sometimes current folks on the coaching staff. Today, it's all about the future. Eric, who we got? Oh, we are talking to a gentleman who hails from Cincinnati, Ohio. We are talking to a gentleman who's a four-star, ranked 63rd in the country, power forward slash center. We're talking to a gentleman who his sophomore year led his team at Archbishop Moeller High School in Cincinnati to a 29-0 undefeated season in a state championship. His junior year led them to a 26-1 record where they were in the Elite Eight, ranked number one in the state before the rug was pulled out from all of them like everybody else when COVID hit. He was... Third team All-Ohio, first team All-Southwest District and All-Greater Catholic League. He played for the Indiana Elite AAU program. He has a seven-foot-four wingspan, and he is the lone commitment right now to the 2021 class at Indiana University. Please welcome the man, Logan Duncan. Hey, guys. Are you, are you uh, getting ready for those kinds of introductions? Because that's what's coming your way. Um, yeah, I'm starting to prepare. <laughs> so Logan, tell us, uh, tell us what's going on in your life right now. I mean, obviously school has started. It's your senior year. It's a senior year like no one has had before because of what's going on. So just tell us what, what is going on in your life and specifically your basketball life right now. Right. So, um, for us, basketball just started up again. We, um, have had probably a couple weeks of practice under us and two scrimmages now, but, uh, COVID numbers in Ohio are getting really bad now. I think we had all-time high cases yesterday with 7,000 today as well. Oof. So it's sounding like best case scenario, best case case scenario, it's going to be postponed to 
like at earliest January, if not canceled. Well, just to jump in on that, I mean, if that happens, and I, I didn't plan on jumping into it like this, but there's been a lot of talk with some other high school kids that if the high school season is postponed, that a lot of kids are looking at enrolling in college early. Is that something that you've even discussed with your family and Indiana? Is that something that's even on the on your radar? Yeah, I have. Um, my, I mean, my plan is to, I want to play on my senior season because I, I want to have that uh, opportunity, but I've talked to Indiana's coaches and they, they've held a scholarship for me. So if it does end up going south and um, our senior season gets canceled or postponed, I have all my, uh, I've been working to get all my credentials so I can graduate early if need be. When you think about something like that, because I know my senior year of high school, I'd done all my hard classes junior <laughs> year, and I was just ready to have a good time. But you're so much more focused, I'm sure, than I ever was because of what you're accomplishing on the basketball court. So in your mind, is it more, well, if I can get to Bloomington a few months early, I'll be ready for my freshman year? Or would you would you consider at all if the coaching staff would actually playing early 2021 if you got over there um probably not because you know they have two seniors there and uh, or they have a senior and really good player trace jackson there and race already so i mean right. it looking at that that way i mean there's probably not much time i'd get in if any at all i mean those guys are going to play above me if i'm red shirting right now but clearly the, the lure of that is one, you get into a college program early for strength and conditioning, learn the system, and then in practice, banging against those guys, you know, that's got to be something that like, I mean, that, that is an opportunity that does not present itself at the high school level. Yeah. And that's what uh, coach Ocean was talking to me about, like just the other day, like uh, the lure of that would be, I go over there, I get stronger. I bang with really good guy, Trace Jackson and, uh, um, yeah, you know, and so I'd get stronger, uh, learn how to compete with guys at that that level. Sure. Another guy like Joey Brunk, who are also really good. Well, let's talk about a happy occasion that just happened this last week, which was when you signed your letter of intent to play at Indiana University. Can you walk us through um, what that was like for you? I mean, obviously, it's a goal. It's been a goal of yours to play Division One basketball for a long time. And even though you committed to Indiana back in, I believe it was April, here is when it became official. What was that day like for you? And and how, walk us through as fans, what happened? Did you call somebody? Did you fax in the letter? Like, how does that all work? Um, yeah, it was exciting. Um, I talked to coaches like the night before and they had the uh, letter emailed to me. So I filled it out that morning and my school did like a ceremonial signing at the school. So like I went out to eat with my family and, it was this, it was a day of celebration, so it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, so did we. <laughs> Let's think positive because I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say you guys were state champs last year too. Clearly, you were gonna win it all. COVID ruined it. Uh, I'm hoping for your sake, you guys do get to play this season. You're the last I checked, ranked eighth, not in the state of Ohio, nationally. Um, so give me a little bit of feel of of the team coming back from last year and sort of how you're working towards this season we hope will happen for you on our team we've got like we had four dudes signed just on the basketball team uh, on signing wow. day wow so 
<laughs> our our team's going to be really good this year. We we only lost we lost two seniors that played last year, so we're coming back strong. And we have a junior this year, Evan Mahaythew, couldn't play last year because of transfer rules. Um, who's already has um, high major attention. I think high major offers from like West Virginia and such. Um, and so we've got a kid named Alex Williams, who's one of the best scorers I've ever played with and can shoot the, the light, can shoot the lights out. Kid named Aiden Turner, who's our point guard who committed to uh, Charleston University in uh, nice. Virginia, West Virginia. Uh, Alex committed to Furman. And we have a kid named Aiden Noyes, who committed to uh, Richmond Spiders the other day. That, that is a hell of a team. I mean, that is just a hell of a team. I, you know what I'm curious about, Logan? Obviously, when you're on a high school team and one that is competing for state titles year in and year out, which your program is right now since you got there, clearly that's the goal. But as you mentioned, all of those guys also have goals. They're all on their way to play Division I college basketball, or most of them playing Division I college basketball. And I'm sure that as years progress from sophomore to junior and junior to senior, you all have things on your game that you want to develop to help you at the next level. So how much of like your senior year was going to be, is it difficult, I guess is the question, to balance for you, for example, does, is Indiana pushing you to like develop your range a little bit more? Whereas on the high school side, you may not need that because you can just dominate inside. How do you balance those two things? Uh, for sure. I mean, Indiana, like Indiana wants me to be a good shooter and I do too. It's one of the things I'm working on. So, but you're right in high school, I don't necessarily need to for my team. I'm, I'm able to mainly stick inside because I can dominate down low. So what I usually do is I play I play how we need to play as a team in games to win, which usually involves me. We, we play a five-out offense, but uh, I, I end up in the post a lot, which is where I thrive. But I balance that with in practice, just work on a lot of shooting to, and ball handling to get better at that stuff. And my coaches let me uh, shoot and dribble in games. It's just something that I don't need to do all the time for my team to win. Well, and speaking of coaches, you you have a great one there in Coach Kramer at Muller. What have you learned from him that's helped you here not only develop into a great high school player, but some of his teachings you're going to take to Bloomington and beyond with you? Um, Just kind of like ideas of culture and like how to play. Uh, One of the biggest things is to not play for yourself. Like don't don't go on the court for stats and your numbers go on the court for your teammates and to win. Like one of our things is like when you're driving, like you drive for someone else, you don't drive for yourself. It's just playing with teammates for your team's success, not your own. That is a, a good love lesson that. and one that Indiana fans especially love. That said, we're going to go the other way too. So here's my question to you. I've never been ranked high in anything in my entire life. Like, I, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe in beard length, like that would be the only ranking that I would uh, appear on. But rankings are a big part of being a high-end, you know, prospect. And you've obviously been on the ranking list for a while now. Now, you took a big jump up recently. I think you were like in the hundreds and you went all the way up to like 63 in the country. Mm-hmm. How much do you pay attention to that stuff and when you were ranked like a hundred and third, or even now at like 63, do you look at the list ever of the people ranked ahead of you and go, 
are you kidding me? I smoked that guy when we play. Like, does that figure in <laughs> ever? Yeah. Um, I'd probably look at it more than I should. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it kind of bothers me because there's a couple guys on the list who I've played multiple times. And I'm just like, hmm. okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, I know that, uh, it, 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 it doesn't mean much and then in the long run it's just how you play so it doesn't affect me too much but I do look at him like huh all right does it, does it fuel you <laughs> like look yeah. look let's I'm just gonna put it out there because we're Indiana fans obviously we pay a lot of attention to Indiana kids and there were two kids in the state of Indiana that Indiana recruited and we didn't get them all right one was recent with Trey Kaufman your teammate on Indiana elite and then the other one is Caleb first. And they both decided to go to that horrible place up north. Don't worry about it. You're only going to be there a couple times a year or maybe once a year. It's awful. You'll hate it, which you should. But um, but clearly they have higher rankings. And and Caleb is more of a player that is uh, around your, your, your size and position. And the last time you guys played, it got a lot of pub online. You crushed them, which, of course, Indiana fans went nuts for. But... Like that kind of stuff, does it fuel you? Do you use that as motivation to work harder, to prove them when you do play against them? Right. I mean, I have a lot of respect for those guys like Caleb First and Trey. They're also just players trying to do their best out there. So I don't have a lot of hate for them. And I think they're both really good. Uh, mainly the ranking things. I, I do go out there. try. It does kind of fuel me. I, I, want, I want to prove myself out there, so. When I do play against dudes that are ranked higher than me or ranked at all, I, I, I usually go out maybe a little harder than I would before. Yeah, like, by the way, Ward, this guy's already too mature. I mean, he's too mature. You see how, how he handled that question? He said he respected them. Like, he's already mature. He's more mature than we are. And we're twice, more than twice his age. <laughs> As you say, there's, there's a little chip on your shoulder based on those rankings when you're going out against somebody maybe ranked above you. But in the case of when you took on Caleb here most recently, do you both now start to let the, oh, we're going to be future rivals between IU and Purdue, does that start to creep in? I've, I've thought about it. Like, oh, so, okay, I get to play against you for the next couple of years. All right. But, I mean, once again, I mean, I, I don't know um, Caleb that well. I mean, I've never played with him. I, I've heard very good things about him. He's a nice, smart kid. But um, it, it does sort of feel rivalry. Like, I do want to do well against him. Sure. Growing up in Cincinnati, you're, you're adjacent to it. But do you have a feel for that rivalry yet, just from hearing from enough wackos like us that that IU-Purdue thing is pretty pretty nasty on this side of the state line? Yeah, um, just going on Twitter, I mean, probably <laughs> there is field of fire. Well, if you, if you check out our Twitter account, you will find the one of the more immature uh, and irrational accounts that exists in the Indiana fan base. Um, so let's take a step back, if you wouldn't mind, Logan. Tell us, you know, you're, are you 18 yet or you're 17? Um, I'm 17. I'll turn 18 in April. Got it. When did you first pick up a basketball? What's your first earliest memory of playing basketball? I mean, I've been playing basketball for a really long time. It was my, my dad's favorite sport. 
So he, he wanted me to play basketball. So it would have had to been like something like second, third grade in Chicago. Got it. Is that where you grew up in Chicago? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago. I lived there till I was like 13. Oh, wow. You were born in Iowa? I was born in New Orleans, lived in Iowa for like a year or two, lived in Chicago for the most of my early life, and then have lived in Cincy for now six years. So do you consider yourself a Chicagoan? Are you still Chicago-like blood? No, I mean, I, I, I have some roots there, but I, I'd, I'd say I consider myself from Cincinnati. All right. All right. So that means you like yep. Skyline Chili, right? That's like a thing. Oh, I, lo I love Skyline Chili. <laughs> it's amazing. What about the Grater's ice cream? Are you all in on that? Um, I think it's kind of overrated, personally. Ooh. I, I, I don't think it's all that. I, I like my UDF ice cream more. Okay. Are, okay. We, uh, are you a Bengals fan? It's hard to be a Bengals fan. Yeah, it is, man. Well, <laughs> real hard. Are you um, a Reds fan? I don't follow baseball that much, but um, I'd say Reds and Cubs. And so growing up playing basketball, who did you grow up a fan of as far as college teams or NBA teams or players? Who, who were kind of your role models? Um, but NBA teams, the Bulls and Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. And then uh, college teams, probably Iowa. Really? Yeah, it's from that's my dad. That's your dad, right? Your dad. Yeah, my dad went to law school there and grew up a fan of Iowa. So I grew up a fan as, uh, of Iowa basketball. Do you, do you like watching Fran McCaffrey go crazy on the sidelines? I do think it's pretty funny. <laughs> I was going to talk about Jimmy Butler and the Heat. Now, as a Pacers fan, I did not like him leading the charge on sweeping the, the Pacers. Right. As a basketball player, were you watching that? Were you learning from what made the Heat such a great team this year? Yeah, I just love how how like gritty and tough Jimmy Butler is. And that's kind of like how I try to play my game is just tough. Like if nothing else, I, I know I'm going to be one of the toughest kids on the court. You know, it's funny you say that because when you mentioned Jimmy Butler as your guy – that I just made a note to myself because that's exactly what everyone says about you. Some of the same things they say about Jimmy Butler, people have said about you. Constant motor, that's like a big thing for you. You know, I've, I've read quotes from your AAU coaches who talked about some guys go after rebounds like 60% of the time, 70% of the time. Logan goes after it 99.9% .9 of the time. And, and Jimmy Butler, that's how people talk about him, a motor that just doesn't stop. Was that always how you played just because it was built in you and then Jimmy Butler became like oh look that guy plays how I play or did you pattern yourself after somebody um I think that's just um how you had to play in Chicago I mean like in Chicago it was really gritty I mean everyone's super scrappy yeah mm -hmm. and I wasn't much of an offensive threat I wouldn't say I was very good um <laughs> growing up in Chicago I was all right so I got most of my points and uh, did most of uh, you know, what I did going for rebounds, playing defense. So and I think that just stuck with me. And were you heartbroken when Jimmy Butler left? No, um, I wouldn't. I didn't blame him. Both sucked. <laughs> <laughs>
So, I mean, after D Rose got hurt and that team broke up, it was kind of over for the Bulls and it's been a tough ride. Yeah. When you said you were all right growing up in Chicago, when did you start to realize you were better than all right and that basketball held a real future for you beyond high school? Probably like my middle school, eighth grade year, freshman year. My eighth grade year, I, I started to realize that. I mean, I could sort of compete in my freshman year. I got my first D1 offer from Winthrop. And so for them, from then on, I was like, oh, I can actually do this in the future. And so, I mean, it was really middle school basketball really boosted my confidence with uh, scoring and being a basketball player because it allowed me to develop more of an offensive game, which I continued to do so throughout high school. We usually ask this question of guys much older than you, which they have to really search their memory banks to remember this. This won't be that long ago for you, but do you remember the first time you dunked the basketball and tell us that story? Uh, I do. It was, I think, beginning of eighth grade year in a practice with my high school, with my middle school, Mesa Middle School, in our field house. And I, I think we were in like, Layup lines, and I just went for it, and I got it. And I, I was hyped about that. <laughs> did the did the team lose their minds? No, no. <laughs> a, a poor response from my team. Yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, man, <laughs> if I had a teammate who dunked, I just I I would pretend like it was me who was dunking, like I was somehow responsible for it. So I would I would celebrate in that. Right, I, I was expecting better. You had said in an interview you were more laid back off the court and you do you seem very calm chill way more calm and chill than the two guys interviewing you but you're so physical on the court too along with the high motor it was something where I read coach Kramer said guys didn't like going up against you because they left the game bruised up again is that something from the scrappy days of Chicago that was just imbued in you or or is that even strategic like hey I'm just gonna bang with these guys what what's the key to your physicality why why do you play that way I don't know I just I just kind of like it I, I don't I don't mind getting hit and um, I mean it, it helps me succeed and it, it makes the game more fun honestly mm, I, I like just grew that. up I grown up liking the contact so you're you're progressing in middle school you're gaining more confidence you moved to Cincinnati. Uh, your sophomore year in high school is when you start at Archbishop Moeller. Um, when is the first time you hear from Indiana University, and how was that contact made? So Indiana was one of the last schools to offer me, and I think they watched me play sophomore year with Indiana Elite. Uh, you know, they're watching other Indiana, Indiana guys like Trey and stuff. And so I think they, they saw me and liked my motor, watched pretty much the rest of my AU year that year, watched some of my summer league, summer basketball with my high school and then offered me that summer before my junior year. And was it Tom Ostrom who was leading the charge there? Mm -hmm. Tom Ostrom was the dude that recruited me. Yep. And when Indiana reaches out to you at that point, I mean, you grew up in the Midwest, so I imagine you have some understanding of the history of Indiana basketball and what basketball means in Indiana. But how did Indiana 
come in late to a recruitment that had already started and win you over? What, what was it about Indiana that separated itself? Well, I actually didn't know much about Indiana. I, I, I didn't even realize it was a blue blood school until my mm. dad told me. Mm. So that hurts. That hurts. You got to change that Logan. <laughs> yeah. You we got to change that. Well, I mean, I was just dumb and I kind of thought blue bloods meant that they had blue jerseys and were good. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. It's true. All, all the other evil ones, they do have blue. We're the only red blue blood. That's a very good point. It's true. Yeah. yeah so yep. you, can, you can see why I thought that, but um, sure. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I went on my visits and I just kind of fell in love with the camp. Pretty much my first time there, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And that was it. That was it. Like you literally, your visit turned everything around basically. Right. I mean, I, I visited other schools too. I want to make sure it was the right one, but I mean, like I visited even other big 10 schools and I just, I mean, I didn't like them. Like I thought Cincinnati or Ohio state was too, it just wasn't nice. It was kind of like a lousy city. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> we like that. Um, did you feel <laughs> yeah. any, now granted you didn't grow up in Ohio, so it, there might be a little bit of a difference here, but clearly Ohio state was recruiting you hard. And the word was that Xavier was really the one that was kind of in the lead for you, whatever that means for the rest of us who know nothing. Um, did you feel any pressure going to an in-state school in Ohio? Did that ever figure in for you? No. I mean, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really care about in-state or out-of-state. It was just wherever school I felt best fit. And, and you did mention it felt like home. It was the most at home you felt. And is that as much about the campus? Is it the coaching staff, the other players? What gives it that feel for you before you even show up? It, it was a mixture of things. I, I loved the campus. I thought the guys um, really kind of fit how I feel about things, like a bunch of really smart guys, funny guys, and the culture and the way they play, really. And I, I do like their coaches. I like how intense they are and how they're all about winning. Walk us through when you decided to commit. How did you do that? Do you call Archie just on the cell phone? Do you set up a meeting? Like, how does that all work? And then what was his reaction when you told him? Um, so I told Coach Ostrom, like, I mean, I, uh, like a day before, two days before that I was planning on committing soon. Um, and then the morning of, I called Coach Miller and he said, well, that was a very nice uh, thing to wake up to, Logan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I called the rest of the coaches that were recruiting me to tell them uh, where I decided to commit to. And and then from then on, it was just basically a bunch of uh, bunch of people interviewing me. Do those coaches make make it pretty easy for you? Or we've heard stories where some make it really hard on the player, but how'd that go? Uh, most of them made it pretty easy. There was a couple coaches that uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's not cool. Mm. Like, mm. Didn't take it as well as others, but um, overall it wasn't too bad. Good things to uh, remember when you play them. Yeah. And when you're like, oh, I'm glad I didn't go with that guy because he just showed me who he is. That, that's how I felt after that. I was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't choose you. So are we. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we love to do on this podcast, besides obviously talk basketball with the guys that are going to be playing for Indiana, but we like to get to know you a little bit off the court. So just a few questions to try to get to know you. 
Are you a movie guy? Do you like movies? I do like movies. I especially like uh, horror movies. All right, give us your favorite, Ooh. give or top three. Give us, give us a top three. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I have any top movies. My dad's really into them, so I watch a bunch of uh, random movies with him. Usually, they're really bad. He likes to watch this show called, uh, oh, what's it called? Like, you know, I don't know what it's called. It's a really lousy, uh, like, uh, TV show series, but it's just a series of three movies which are usually really bad. Yeah, and they have color commentary on them. All right, very good. Are you uh, are you a TV show guy? Not really. All Again, right. just some uh, an- like some animated comedy series like Family Guy and South Park sometimes. But how about music? What do you listen to to get amped up for the big game? Um, I like all types of music. Um, my my main genres are alternative, uh, pop, rock, rap. And do you have like an artist? Like if we looked at your phone. What would be the artist that has played the most? Don't worry, we're not going to come steal your phone. That sounded weird. <laughs> we're not going to spy on your phone. But what would be the artist that we would see the most on your phone? Uh, Lil Uzi Vert by a lot. Lil Uzi Vert. Lil Uzi okay. Vert is very popular with the young crowd. I have I have found that out. We're yeah. learning this, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Um, all right. And what about um, food? Now, obviously, you're a well-trained athlete you have to be at the top of your game but come on you gotta like some junk food what is what is like your guilty pleasure food um probably my favorite types of food are, is cajun food Ooh. like my dad knows how to make like really good jambalaya and stuff like that so Ooh. that's that's probably that's probably it I was really getting excited for That's, you to name a food that I could go, oh, Bloomington's got a lot of that, but you named the one food that I don't think <laughs> Bloomington has any of. Hopefully you like pizza, sandwiches, wings, and steak. If you like those things, you'll be okay. I like all those too. That'd be a problem. When you're not eating or hooping, what do you do just to have a good time, relax with your friends, your family? Well, really just, that's all I do. I just hang out with my friends or family, one of the two. Are you a video gamer? Yeah, not really. I played a lot of video games during COVID because I pretty much had nothing else to do, but it's not my go-to. Like, did you get into Fortnite and that kind of stuff? Uh, When Fortnite was big, I did play a lot of Fortnite. Yeah, my kids are into Amongst, is it Amongst Us or Amongst? Among Us. Among Us, yeah. Is that one that you're into? Um, For... A couple weeks, I played that a lot with my friends, but now if I play video games, it's usually Madden or NBA 2K. Got it. Nice. Makes sense. Yeah, good ones. Um, And when you mentioned you didn't have much to do during COVID, as a lot of us were in the same situation, how did you work on your game? Um, We had, there was a local church that had uh, courts um, connected to them. And so since they couldn't close down the church, we were able to get in there. And I was able to actually work out a ton over this uh, COVID summer. Nice. And was that something where Indiana was working with you? Did they sit like, does Cliff Marshall get involved at that point and give you tips for here's some things you could be working on in the off season and, and the year before coming to Indiana, or do they try to stay hands off at this point? Uh, they try to stay hands off at this point. They'll, they'll, they'll say things like um, they'll send me my coach some, uh, like things they do in practice and if i want to use them i can and and molar's practices we've actually implemented some of indiana stuff oh so, nice 
Yeah, so I, we've been practicing a lot of those, but I have a really good weight, uh, strength coach. So uh, Coach Cliff has been kind of uh, hands off there. When I'm, and I'm assuming this is happening during the recruitment process too, but now as you're saying, some of these ideas are being implemented even in your high school practices and gameplay. When the recruiting was starting and all the way through, how has the staff, Coach Miller and the staff, described to you your role to play in their system? Well, uh, when I went to meet them on my unofficial, they showed me just some film of their games and how they use their bigs. And the way they use their bigs and their plays is almost identical to Muller's. Um, mm. And another thing they do on defensive screens is like hedging screens and that's one of the things I'm best at. I used to do it a lot with uh, my teams in Chicago, so I'm that's, that's one of my uh, strengths on defense. And and the seven foot four wingspan helps too, right? On hedging, you can cover about half the court that way. Wingspan doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> when you went on your visit to Indiana, where did they take you to dinner? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, Malibu Grill. There we go. And how'd you nice. like it? It was really good. I hear that's the uh, the top, the the nicest spot there. Well, I'm eh, not sure though. Uh, I, it's good. It's definitely like top two or three for like nice sit down restaurant. But the best restaurant for a sit down meal in Bloomington is a place called Yanko's Little Zagreb's. It's a steakhouse that is the best steakhouse in the world. Now I feel cheated on. <laughs> Hopefully, COVID thing ends. And you will still be able to do a senior year official visit, right? Hopefully. I was supposed to do two officials and I couldn't do either. That's right, because you got screwed out of last year. Well, maybe maybe the vaccine comes and you get that. If you get the official this year, you make sure they take you to Little Zagreb's. They have to take you there. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make sure <laughs> Ostrom uh, caters for me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, look, Logan, we are super excited as Indiana fans to, to have you on board. Everything that I have heard, both from reading articles about you, interviews that you have done, and off-the-record conversations I've had with people that have seen you play, all say the same thing. You are exactly the kind of player that Indiana fans love. So we can tell there's like an edge to you, which we like. There's an edge to you on the court. There's like a no bullshit to you off the court, which I like. Um, you probably are looking at us like, who are these two idiots? Which we like that too. These two big bullshitters who don't like bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but we are so excited for you. You chose wisely because Indiana is going to be a special time in your life. And as I'm sure they have told you, when you are a Hoosier, you are a Hoosier for life, basketball and otherwise. So we are excited to be rooting you on and can't wait to get you on campus it can't come soon enough and we do hope you know not selfishly here we do hope you get to play a senior year because you deserve the right to defend your state championship and go out the right way with another state title absolutely and i'm very excited to be a hoosier hoosier hysterics He's got the swag. He comes on that team. The other guys are going to like playing with him, like hanging out with him, and he's going to bring winning all the time into that locker room. Yeah, by the way, you're right about the swag. Just to paint the picture, this dude was reclined wearing a tank top, like just chilling. He, you know what he reminds me of? He's like a cross between Matthew McConaughey and like um, 
the old wrestler Kevin Nash is who, who comes to <laughs> my mind, who used to be Diesel back in WWF back in the day. He's just a cool big dude who knows, like, I wish we could put out just the video of his face when we were talking about the rankings. And he's like, yeah, I'd look at the rankings and be like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I like that little hmm, hmm. Like, he definitely has an edge to him. You can see why Archie and Tom loved him. You know, because just beyond just the motor, he's got an edge to him that we need. You know, look, it's the truth. Like, Joey Brunk has that, too. Joey Brunk's got that edge to him and likes the contact. The, the difference is Joey, you know, has some limitations when it comes to just his, his natural ability. And it seems like Logan's got a higher upside there. Um, so I'm excited to watch the kid play. Here's the guy we got come in, and we were so excited when we pulled him in, and you were like, I love his length. Rah, rah, rah. You were so excited about him. And then, like, you basically haven't really brought him up since because, good, got it. Let's store that one away. He's going to be fun to watch next year. We, we need to find somebody else to worry about. But now just getting to relish in his coming and knowing that, you know, Christian's really going to be running the show by next year. And, you know, just seeing already how this guy can shoot with a little bit of range. And by the time he's really contributing in Bloomington, I'm sure that'll be a part of his game. Yeah, we love to think about the future when it includes a guy like that. And, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit, the hard hedging, which, you know, you brought up and he talked about a little bit. That is such a big part of Archie's defense to disrupt the offense at the top of the key you know, so that they can't get into their flow and take a bunch of seconds off the shot clock. And this is like the strength of this kid. It's like, he's got quick feet. He's got ridiculous length. He can hard hedge and probably get back to the diving center, you know, that he's guarding that. I mean, we saw how hard it was for Indiana to play when we didn't have that last, you know, last year, we'll see what happens this year. And Archie had to adjust how they, hard hedged at the end of that year because we were just getting smoked by it. So they started doing some, some different things. And also we didn't get to it is how hard he likes to run the court on both ends. That's, that's the key. We talked about, especially with Archie's Dayton teams, really wanting to get a lot of their points in transition. And we haven't seen a big guy like that. I mean, Tr Trace, you know, is pretty good. But when you talk about a 6'9 guy with a 7'3 reach, that's like not since Cody. Cody. Have we had a guy really running the court like that? Yeah, and look, we saw, I mean, Crean's offense obviously was a lot different. But when you're a big guy who can move and can run the court and is willing to run the court, I think it, it's honestly more that than it is anything else because big men tire. And so they're not sprinting as hard as they can on offense because they know that, you know, they've got to bring it on defense. They've got to go get the rebounds. So you're not sprinting. But we saw how many easy points Cody got in just beating the other guy down the court. You know, and you yeah. got to think that the motor that everybody talks about that Logan has, you're going to get a lot of easy points. And the truth is we we have not gotten a lot of that from our big men in, in the three years no. that Arch has been there because it's just not been their strength. It hasn't been a thing. So, look, I'm excited to bring the kid in. Hopefully he won't be the only kid we bring in in the class of 2021. Uh, but we'll get into that a different blim, time. Blim, blim. <laughs> look, Ward, as we record this, Indiana basketball is 10 days away from tipping off. Okay. Now I don't know if that's going to happen because of COVID, but that's what's supposed to happen. And I am so excited. I cannot wait to see an Indiana basketball game. 
So like talking to Logan because he's coming next year, it just feels like we're getting closer to basketball season yeah. and, and it just gets my juices flowing. So I'm, I'm excited for this season because it's been a crappy 2020. I'm really excited to see the new guys play and this is Archie's team. So let's roll the ball out there and see what the hell we got. And we'll be back next week with another one. So as always, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the, the sometimes, sometimes why. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.